Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show, sponsored by Unibet. I'm your host, George Ellick, and later on in the show, I'll be joined by Johnny Ward as we look back to the Cheltenham Festival 2023. Uh, but before we do that, I caught up yesterday with the head of racing at Unibet, Ed Nicholson, to find out how the week was for them. Uh, they've also got a sign-up offer for new customers. Deposit £10 and get money back up to £40 if your racing bet loses, your first racing bet, that is, uh, and a £10 casino bonus as well. T's and C's do apply. You can find the link in the description below to sign up for an account. And this is what Ed made of the week at Presby Park. Joined by Unibet's head of racing, Ed Nicholson, as we look back at the week that was. Um, how did the festival go um, from a, a perspective of, of the bookmaker? Well, it ended up well, but um, to begin with, it wasn't looking too good. The Tuesday and the Wednesday were, were dreadful in terms of betting and uh, the punters winning. Uh, but it all turned out around on the Thursday. Thursday was going to be a big day with all the favourites, Mighty Potter, Lucia, uh, just the two of, of four that were, were, were going to be well backed. And obviously with all them losing, it, uh, it ended up being a very good Thursday. And the Friday, despite a well-backed Gold Cup favourite uh, and, a, and a well-backed Triumph favourite, um, it ended the week well for us. So overall, not too bad. The great thing about Cheltenham, though, it gives us an opportunity to communicate to um, existing customers, to lapsed customers, to those uh, that maybe only bet a few times a year. Um, and we saw saw an increase in the actives uh, and the turnover. So overall, from a business point of view, it was pretty good. And I would say it was all topped with the marvellous success of Constitution Hill winning the Unibet champion hurdle, obviously, Constitution Hill, ridden by a uh, Unibet ambassador in Nico de Boyville and trained by Unibet ambassador in Nicky Henderson. So there's plenty of uh, Unibet around on the Tuesday afternoon. I was going to ask you that with, you know, Constitution Hill clearly being, well, in my mind, at least the, the star of the week and, and the star of national hunt racing in general at the moment with an obvious mention for the Gold Cup winner. What's it like when you've got a, a horse, as you say, trained by an ambassador, ridden by an ambassador in, you know, the 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 race sponsored by Unibet that I, I guess you probably had for a few quid as well. Yeah, I mean we, we started laying Constitution Hill <clears throat> after he won the Unibet Tollworth the year before. We laid him at 33 to 1. One lucky customer got that, I must say it's just <laughs> one. Um but then you know after that everyone knew he was good. So I think after that race he was only 10 to 1, 6 to 1, 5 to 1. So um we didn't really lay that much on him to be fair because he was always quite short. It come the day as well people had him in trebles and accumulators and what have you but no one's really going to be backing him very big at four to eleven one to three so it was all about for us to maximize the uh, opportunity of 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 knowing that uh, one of the best horses we've ever seen is now rated 175 by the bha um was a horse that we knew very well so before the event we did a lot of our marketing material around constitution hill we got these badges made we gave them <laughs> Uh, at Cheltenham they went down a, a tree and uh, we had videos uh, that w- took place on the day we're in the middle of doing a series of road to Cheltenham 2024 which started with him getting on the on the uh, the van as it were the horse box from from Nicky Henderson's yard uh, on on that Tuesday um, and it's going to go all the way through until next next year on that Tuesday or maybe we never know maybe Wednesday or, or, or Thursday or Friday we don't know <laughs> where it's going to run but that we're going to have a nice road to Cheltenham um, content piece to maximise our sponsorship. So, yeah, and also from a personal point of view, I mean, I've, I've been down to Nicky's for years um, and it, it's just unbelievable to be up close with such a, a wonderful horse. We actually interviewed Constitution Hill in his stables, in his box while he was eating. And you, 
never we didn't interview him i have some to add he wasn't he, he's very good but the one thing he can't do is speak at the moment um but we did interview uh nikki and and the various people that look after uh constitution in, in his in his box while he was eating and, I, and i've never ever done anything like that not been allowed to do anything like that but he's so laid back um it was just incredible so yeah we were emotionally attached i suppose well, i certainly was um and as a business it, it worked really well for us on the topic of constitution hill um have you had any indication from from nikki as to what the plan is going to be short term of course we've got the op- opportunity to run an entry to go over to ireland and then the big question is you know what's going to happen long term with, with michael buckley the owner um being pretty bullish in his ideas of, of what this horse might be capable of over larger obstacles yeah we, we haven't obviously we wouldn't be told um as unibet that would be told by nikki henderson first to the public mm. uh, but but we have discussed it at length on blogs. Um, you can get the blogs at Unibet, as you know. Um, and, you know, nothing's off the table. I mean, we've priced him up accordingly um, at Unibet because no one knows. I mean, they're going to have a chat. I was told they're going to have a chat in the summer uh, to work out where, where they go. But um, there's such a conversation, public conversation, about this public horse, about where he will run next year. I think he's going to run at Aintree. I think that's as long as he's OK. I think he'd be running over two and a half miles at, um, at Aintree. I think Nicky's indicated that. But next year, everything's up for grabs. I mean, we've priced him up in absolutely everything, as as all bookmakers have. We're actually the top price for him to win the Unibet Champion Hurdle again, five to six. Um, but we've also priced him up uh, to win uh, the Arkle, seven to two. He's uh, ten to one to win the goal, uh, to win the Champion Chase, twenty to one to win the Gold Cup. And this morning, our Oz compilers even put him in to win the Ascot Gold Cup at 16 to 1. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing there's nothing this horse isn't being talked about being entered for. So it's quite difficult. I mean, myself, I would just keep your powder dry until we know exactly where the horse is going. And even then, things change. I remember Bouvedere and Altior from Nicky Henderson Stable. Um, Bouvedere was going chasing. In fact, he did go chasing. He's unbeaten over fences. Um, but uh, he then reverted back to the hurdle. So there's still a long, long way to go. And I know people like to get fancy prices on anti-post, and I'm certainly one of those. Um, sometimes it's just best to keep your powder dry. And I, I, was, I would suggest that at the moment. If you think he's going to run in the Unibet champion hurdle, I mean, that five to six would be a gift, wouldn't it? But um, you, we, don't, we don't know. What would you do? I mean, in my mind, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Constitution Hell fan. <clears throat> And I love the idea of, of having going to the champion chase as a novice chaser, winning that and then looking to step up in, in trip. But um, it feels like it, it's unlikely with the Arkle, probably the most likely option if they do go chasing. But what, you know, with your um, fan hat on, you know, Nikki so well, what, what would you want to do? Well, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I suppose because I sponsor the Unibet champion hurdle, I'd love him to keep going on the Unibet champion hurdle. <laughs> He'd win and we'd get more publicity and we'd get media value and it would help me get sponsorship money. Um, but I don't, I mean, I think they'll um and ah, and I think they probably end up going for the Unibet champion hurdle. I mean, it, it, he's only six, isn't he? So if they just have one more year, they can establish him as a, as a great. Many people call him a great already, but he's only won one Unibet champion hurdle. If he wins two, he brings himself in line with a lot of very good horses. Um, I suppose then it's a, a case of, well, why not go for three after two? But but um, he could still run again in the Unibet Champion Hurdle. Um, Nicky's modus operandi is normally to go, is to keep novices in novice events. So he very rarely runs a, a horse out of novice company when he can run them in novice company. Um, so people talking about the champion chase and the Gold Cup, 
Uh, that's something that Nicky doesn't normally do. Michael Buckley, though, has spoken about it. And Michael's mm. the owner. And of all the owners that Nicky has, um, Michael and him go back a long way. And I know that they often have these sort of discussions, which are a bit left field. Uh, so, I mean, that could happen. Um, but it, I, I suppose the obvious route would be to go to the Arc or Chase if you're going to go chasing. Uh, and he's 7-2 to two for that with Unibet. But I, it's a very tricky one. I... I, I, I mean, I know, I know plenty of horses that um, have gone straight from hurdling to, to you know, all age races, and some have done well. Some, unfortunately, haven't done so well, and 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 you know, some have paid the, the ultimate cost. So, I mean, I, 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 I personally, if he was mine, I would keep him to hurdling for one more year, and then have another discussion next year, and, and run him in the Unibet Champion Hurdle. <laughs> Before we move away from um, just uh, Nicky's runners over the week, uh, quick mention of John Bond as well, who. It feels like John Bond's bumped into two of the most exciting horses we've seen in in, in recent history with Constitution Hill in last year's uh, Supreme Novice and then uh, El Fabiolo in, in this year's um, Arkle. Without those two runs, you know, it's a, it's a well, if you take out those two horses, it's an unblemished record so far for John Bond. Uh, what do you think the future, um, again, are we going to see John Bond turn up at, at Aintree? I think John Bond will definitely turn up at Aintree, again, over two and a half. Um, once again, Nicky in his blogs to us at Unibet, uh, has always said that he holds the horses in the highest regard, but also he thinks he's going to be a stayer. He's actually said mm. that he thinks he's a Gold Cup horse. Um, I think once we look back in his career, we'll think how did he possibly finish second in a Supreme uh, and an Arco. I, th- I think he'll be a stayer. I, I really do. I, I actually spoke to Aidan Coleman about it at, at an event, and Aidan said, look, at the moment, he's definitely a two-miler. He's got the speed for two miles. Why would you go anywhere else? That was before Cheltenham. Um, but uh, he said, "I know what you mean. He, he, you know, he could, he could, he could move into a staying horse." Um, it's interesting. I looked at the records of horses that are ran in the Arkle uh, and then run in the Gold Cup the very next year. Mm. I think, I think that might be the way it goes. I think two and a half at Aintree. If he wins that King George, if he goes for the King George and runs well, you're not going to come back in distance. So then it's either Gold Cup or Ryanair. JP doesn't like the Ryanair in terms of when you, if you look at the horses that he runs in the race very few JP horses run in the Ryanair they're normally running the, to go back to champion or they're running the, the Gold Cup um, so then the Gold Cup becomes an option obviously there's a long way to go and you're making lots of suppositions and assumptions there um, but uh, I, I, I looked back just to see where the horses do go from the Arco to the Gold Cup and uh, since 1999 six have tried one year Arco next year Gold Cup three have won and the wow. other one the other one came second so um wow. you know, so there are two horses that didn't that didn't do anything but four have either won or come second having run in the arc or the year before and then turning up for the gold cup um so you know it's going to be interesting to see which way he goes but i wouldn't put it out of the possible i mean 40 to 1 with Unibet to win the gold cup our Ross compilers think i'm talking nonsense um but <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if 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 he wins at Aintree, they start thinking about the King George, and if they think about the King George, then then you have to think about the, the Gold Cup. But um, again, there's lots of lots of days of racing to go ahead before anything happens there. But uh, I, I I think he's a I think he's a very good horse. I think he'd be better over further. He incidentally, I looked at his rating. He actually he actually ran below form at um, at uh, according to the BHA, uh, albeit just by one pound. But he, he he did he didn't like him. A lot of horses improve for running. Cheltenham because they're because they're running against better horses so their their rating goes up um but he mm. actually was deemed to have written to run below and El Fabiola the other reason why I don't think they'll keep him at two miles is El Fabiola looks an above average winner of the Arkle so yeah you don't think he's going to beat him 
constitutional goes chasing, you possibly couldn't beat him again. So I think a step up in trip might be might be what they might be what they do. Away from Nicky's runners, um, what horses going into the week were the ones that you you guys really needed beat? Well, most the favourite in the first in the in the Supreme um, was an interesting one uh, because um, obviously disappointed at Leopardstown, but before that had been, mm. had been back to all anti post uh, for for the for the Supreme. Um, uh, so that was that was that was good from a betting point of view from a from a, a book point of view um but then it was all about the thursday really i mean the thursday it was a big day for us mighty potter 10 to 11 was a was a very big was a, was a very big loser lucia 13 to 8 6 to 4 um shiskin obviously uh odds on i thought he might be a bit shorter but shiskin was a a very big uh, a very uh, big loser for us um and uh, earlier on in the week jerry colomb had been beaten on the tuesday uh that was a, a good result so you know lots of odds on favorites got beat uh, a lot of short price horses got beat so they were we welcomed those but you know 10 of the 28 races were won by horses at three to one or less so mm. part it did do well as well. It's a very interesting uh, festival because, you know, there were plenty of well-backed horses that lost. A lot of outsiders running well, winning 66-1 to winners, 20-1 winners, 25-1 to winners, which tends to happen at Cheltenham. Um, but then, you know, there were plenty of the odds-on shots that, that lost as well. And, and, and Willie Mullins, you know, we were pricing up how many winners Willie would get. He was on 88 career Cheltenham Festival winners before the start. And many people were thinking he'd actually do the whole shebang and win up to 100 um, before the festival ended but um, in the end he only had six winners I mean he only mm. had, he had the good ones he had the gold cup he had the champion chase didn't he and he had plenty of other good ones um, but uh, he had 76 runners and uh, six winners um, and that's quite a nice little system if you want to have that for the future just <laughs> like Willie Mullins horse at Cheltenham because I think the biggest price win five to two uh, so when he does win they, they don't tend to be a big price anyway no, indeed. Uh, and looking at entry um, now coming up, um, what are we seeing uh, in terms of the action from the punters, especially with the Grand National? We've, of course, got Kirk Rambler, um, the hero from the Ultima, winning that two years in a row. Um, Noble Yates up at the top end of the market last year's winner. Um, what, what are the punters doing? Well, those two horses, they are at the top end of the market. And it's interesting because they both ran cracking races, but for different reasons at Cheltenham. Mm. I mean, I mean, I'm an old hand at, uh, at Cheltenham racing then going into Aintree and I mean Noble Yates ran a classic Grand National trial didn't he in the Gold mm. Cup uh, completely outpaced at the top of the hill interesting he, he actually had a position and then he lost his position I spoke to Sean Bowen at Chepstow recently and he said he just lost his position was was one pace and then just ran on it didn't help he said that at the top of the hill he went he went outside Rachel Batmore who was pulling up um, so he lost a bit of ground there but I was amazed that he finished fourth 15 lengths, just just 15 lengths behind the winner, Galloping Deschamps, which incidentally was another big loser. We laid a, an £80,000 bet at 6-4 on Galloping Deschamps. And was, wasn't he impressive? I mean, mm. I, I watched him make mistakes nearly every fence in the first circuit and he still came there on the bridle. Um, what, what an impressive Gold Cup winner that was. Probably one of the best Gold Cups we've seen for a long time. Um, but yeah, going back to uh, Noble Yates, he, the thing about Noble Yates is he, he's he's... He's done it. He's done it at Aintree, but he's done it from a much lower rating. Um, he did it from a rating of 147. He has to race from 166. He's at the moment carrying 11 stone 11. So uh, when he carried 10 stone 10 last year. So he's he's going to have to do it the hard way. He won so easily last year. He was obviously well handicapped. 
and he's run well in a in a kind of a trial, albeit the Gold Cup. Um, so he'd he'd have to go well. The one that the punters and the odds compilers took notice of though is Korak Rambolo, as you said. Mm. I mean, he looks thrown in. I think he's now rated the BHA one five six, and he's he's going to run the Grand National one four six. So, and there've been plenty of horses over the years that have done this because obviously it's an early closing race the Grand National. I remember Garrison Savannah being thrown in, having won the Gold Cup and then finishing second to Seagram in '91, I think it was. Um, and uh, there've been plenty of horses that have done 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 similar, having won the Gold Cup and showed improved form. Um, so, you know, it, on paper he looks thrown in. He he's seven to one favourite. Noble Yates is eight to one with Unibet. Uh, but Corrett Ramble has won at Aintree. Don't forget, he's won over three miles, novice handicap. Um, so you know, different track, but um, he has he has won at that time of the year at Aintree. Uh, so yeah, still a long way to go. Seven to one, um, and both those two horses are going to have their support at come the day. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's it's interesting. We've priced up the Grand National. We've priced up a few of the um, of the races at Aintree already. In fact, our, our Oscar compiler has done a great job for. Cheltenham next year. We're already priced up 24 of the 28 races for 2024. I think we're, <laughs> we're the best for that. So if you do want to have a little dabble, you should go to Unibet for the anti-posts. Right, I'm going to go and check out those markets right now. Uh, thank you very much to Head of Racing at Unibet, our sponsors on the Odds, Odds Checker Betting Show. Uh, Ed Nicholson for taking the time to chat to us. Really interesting stuff and get getting the juices flowing ahead of entry as well. Pleasure. Yeah, really interesting stuff there from Ed. And Johnny, before we get into probably a constitution hill chat um how was your week i'm hoping uh, it was more profitable than mine yeah not too bad to be honest i didn't go heavy to be honest george i thought it was um i thought it was a tough festival um i guess like i'd say the majority of the punters that i spoke to probably lost money on the festival and it seemed to get more mm-hmm. difficult as the day went on or as the week went on but um I think, like in terms of the actual race in itself, it was phenomenal. I thought it was like one of the best uh, four-day festivals that we've had. Um, I thought day one was amazing with Constitution Hill winning and all the emotion of Honeysuckle. Um, and I thought mm. that there there never seemed a race that actually like felt out of place. And I think in Constitution Hill we saw one of the greatest performances we've ever seen in jumps race. And where he goes next is um, is going to be up for debate. But um, I thought it was a phenomenal festival. I didn't get heavily involved. I, I, my biggest bet was on Jerry Kalam, so that was quite tough. Um, so I was probably slightly down, but um, enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my biggest positions was Corbett's Cross, um, each way with all the places. And that is, that is after having had my biggest position being Goshen a couple of years before. So that last <laughs> hurdle on the Friday can do one, uh, I think is uh, even, you know, we'll never know what would have happened. It's good that you're over it anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm over it. You know, you can't even tell that. It's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fine now. Um, I also managed to, on the Thursday, where not a single favourite won, a lot of the recreational punters I know did their money because obviously they're back to the fabs. I managed to back none of the favourites and also back not a single horse that placed. So that was also exciting. Uh, great week all round. Um, <laughs> but let's uh, review the, the week's racing. And, and we're going to go through chron- chronologically in a second. But just kicking off, who, who, is your, who is your star performer of the week? Who would you give the, uh, the gold star to? Yeah, I mean, this is like completely straightforward. I thought Constitution Hill was absolutely sensational. Um at the odds checker preview night in uh, London on the what was it the Monday? It's hard to remember now. It seems a long time ago, even though it's only two yeah. years ago. Um, 
I met a couple of uh, characters uh, who are now in a WhatsApp group with me, and I had a bet that Constitution Hill, I had the spread at about four lengths, maybe three and a half. I was like, he can't, surely he can't absolutely demolish the eight man who's like beaten Honeysuckle by four or five lengths um, and has beaten everything around him easily since, you know, he's gotten going, and he did. And I guess the mad thing was, um, like George, he was value for probably at least half a dozen lengths mm. more. I'm not sure how much he could have won by genuinely he was and to see Stateman look like um kind of a almost like a not ninety five horse trying to chase him up the Cheltenham Hill was quite uh, remarkable. Um it was an amazing, amazing performance. I've never seen anything like it. And I, I honestly think it's one of the most, you know, I suppose challenging debates now if you're in involved in jumps racing, if you own this horse, if you train this horse, if you rode this horse, where do we go next? We heard Ed talking about it there, and unsurprisingly, he wants um, Constitution Hill to continue running in the Unibet Champion Hurdle. I wonder why. You know, he made that pretty obvious why. But, you know, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll hopefully see Constitution Hill at least once more over hurdles in the coming weeks, possibly twice, if they do go over to, to Ireland as well. But where, where do you sit now? You know, we've got, uh, you know, what Ed said there, the prices for the champion, five to six for the, for the Unibet champion hurdle, seven to two for the Arkle, 10 to one for the champion chase, 20 to one for the Gold Cup. Um, for, as a racing fan, you know, if you were Michael Buckley, where would you be telling Nicky you wanted to go next next year? So I'm, I'm just looking at the prices that Frankel was sent off in his final um, year, which was obviously his third year, two to seven, one to 10, one to 20, one to 10, two to 11. And I think... If Constitution Hill stays over hurdles, that's like more or less where you'll be. Um, I, I, I think that the, it's almost not so much. If he went over fences, I don't think it'd be a problem at all. Um, like I spoke to Warren Ewing uh, before Cheltenham, and he was actually beaten in his point to point, but he said he jumps really well. He just made a mistake at the last. He was quite green. Um, and if he went over fences, you obviously have the the quandary of do I go like novice chasing all of next season, or do I do I waste the season in that and then go for the charming chase the following season, or do we go for, for the gold cup and that like michael buckley's 77 years of age and at this stage of his life he's probably like i could own a dawn one here and mm. to go down in history books would be amazing but I, I i just do worry about his stamina for that trip because he's so quick like he's he's, he's an amazingly good hurdler but he also has like an amazing um natural natural speed his turn of foot is i don't know i've never seen anything like before i think like hurricane fly is probably up there with him in terms of like his ratings, but I'd say he's nowhere near his hurling ability. I honestly don't think Hurricane Fly would get near this horse. Um, is he going to translate that to 22 fences and three miles two in a chase? I don't know. So I, I think it'd be, on the one level, it'd be quite dull if he stayed hurling and it'd be, it'd be like procession after procession after procession, um, presuming he stays well. But if he went over, over fences, for me, it's like, what distance do you want to go with this horse? And when do you want to put him into senior company? And I did have the kind of, a, it was like a quandary during uh, Cheltenham. If Constitution Hill showed up for the champion chase the day after he won the champion hurdle, what price would he have gone off? And he would have been favourite, in my view, because he's just, he's that good. And even though he probably hasn't schooled for like two years, he's ridiculously good. And I don't know, it's a tough one for Michael Buckley, but it's, I guess it's a nice situation to be in. Is that, I mean, obviously we're going to see him over, hopefully see him in the entry hurdle over two and a half, which will be, I don't think there's any doubts about his ability to stay over two and a half furlongs at entry. Um, Two and a half miles of entry, but you know, could you treat? Could you? Sounds a bit disrespectful. Could you treat the champion chase as almost like 
a uh, rather you know you mentioned wasting a year in, in novice chases could you go over two miles in the champion chase have that first year um over you know over fences and then look to go to go forward to the gold cup or do you think it's a case of choosing between either going two miles or, or, or the extended trip long term the the injury thing is fascinating because like i mean he's, he's going to go off probably about tens on and um, there's no question that he's not gonna <clears throat> No question that he's going to have an issue over two and a half miles, particularly because he's so superior mm-hmm. to everything. Um, but as you say, the next season, you're like, well, what what are we trying to make this horse into? And like, say he's like 10 to 1 for the juice or whatever next year. Um, like, that that's that's probably a tempting enough price because like you're betting 10 to 1 on him basically showing up in the race. And it's like, well, if he's going to Gold Cup, like, longer term, say next, the, the season after, and if he's already stayed two and a half miles as a hurdler, do we want to like bottom him out in the RSA chase? But if we see him as a gold cup horse, we probably won't want him um, in the Arkle. And if Michael Buckley says, okay, he's going to be our gold cup horse for 2025, what race is he running next year? And I, I, I just find it absolutely fascinating. And if he wins, say, if he wins by 10, 15 links at Aintree, Michael Buckley's like, well, he only, he only has to go another, you know, half a mile in the King George. Um, if we do that this season or the, or the season after, and if he wins the King George, then you're like, well, he's going to stay a gold cup trip. But mm. I don't know, like for, for a horse of the speed that he has and the natural ability, and just like when he gets one squeeze, he just picks up um, like like nothing I've ever really seen before. I, I, I'd, I'd prefer him to stay unbeaten if I were his owner than tackle the gold cup trip for me because the best chase in racing is not the gold cup, it's the champion chase. Like in my mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. As Ed said, also priced up Unibet for the Ascot Gold Cup at 16 to 1 as well. Um, who, who was the the biggest disappointment for you? Um, the one that you, you were hoping for big things? I'm guessing maybe Jerry Colom after after what you said at the top. He, like, he, he actually wasn't, to be honest, George. He was, um, I, I, like, I don't think he was unlucky per se. I think the real whacker actually jumped better than he did. Um I, to be honest, the, the real disappointment for me was walking the park, the stallion himself. Like, if you look at, like, he had John Bond and Vega on day one. Mm. Walking the park is a 25 grand stallion. Like, that is incredible money for a national stallion. He's a son of Monjou, and a lot of his horses do seem to have quirks. And I thought, I just thought that after what, like, for me, Vega found next to nothing when he looked like he was going to win the race. John Bond was kind of like, he was really put in his place. And for me, walking the park is a stallion, um... I think he's at this stage he's overhyped. He had Duvan and Min, John Bond's brother, obviously Duvan, and he's had really good horses. But if you look at the amount of horses that JP McManus has, has sent to Walk in the Park, really, really good race mirrors and what they've produced and the money that's been spent on them alone. And then you look at him going like through the festival with a blank, considering all the money that's invested in him. Um, it's probably a bit of a convoluted answer. But for me, Walk in the Park was uh, the disappointment of the festival. Interesting. Um, let's go to Tuesday, and, and we'll go through kind of chrono- chronologically now. Um, Marie Nationale got the um, week off to a flyer. Uh, Barry Connell justified in his bullishness before the race. Um, really impressive there. And now, um, assuming that um, we'll see Marie Nationale going for the uh, champion, Unibet champion hurdle next year, 10 to 1 is the price now. Okay, so the supreme champion hurdle um double has obviously a terrible record this year constitution hill did it but i cannot for the life of me see any race that this horse runs in next year apart from the champion hurdle and maybe they'll be slightly swayed by what constitution hill but uh, does but marine national free was really really good you like you have to appreciate how lightly race this horse was coming into this he had two runs over hurdles one in the royal bond where he made a bad mistake the last and probably wasn't running on his ground and um for one thing i thought michael sullivan for a jockey of his 
inexperienced rode an unbelievable race. But th- this mm. horse, in fairness, did have a serious turn of foot on the day, and I thought he absolutely battered Fasal Vega. And as much as I was kind of um, bemoaning Fasal Vega's performance, he still is like Willie Mullins would say he's one of the best horses he's ever trained, and he beat him really well. And um, I thought it was an amazing performance for a horse that had to defy um, the stats in terms of coming off the break that he did, and also his inexperience and. For me, he's going to run the champion hurdle next year. Looks that way. Uh, Al Fabiola was mightily impressive in seeing off John Bon uh, in the Arkle. Um, you know, I, I guess because there were maybe some glitzier winners on, on the Tuesday Constitution Hill and Honeysuckle, maybe this has been lost a little bit, but in my book, certainly one of the more impressive Arkle winners in recent years. And he beat Son Raw like by 12 lengths, and Son mm. Raw was a very, very good hurdler who I thought was given um, a nice ride by Mark Walsh on the day. He was nursed into contention. He was given right to kind of pick up the pieces if they fell apart up front i mean for me one of the highlights of the week was dicer dynamo getting up on his feet um because he had given a bold show but he didn't go a crazy gallop it was it was a good generous gallop but um i thought this this horse i mean he was kind of unheralded going into injury last year when he more or less dead either with john bond and he's developed into a serious serious chaser and again if you're looking for the champion chase next year um Everything kind of depends on what Constitution Hill does, but I can't see this horse going anything other than two miles for the time being. He's he's really, really good. Yeah, he looks like a, a serious prospect. Just trying to get a price up now. Um, we've got... Uh, who is he? Oh, yeah, Al Fabiolo, three to one. Um, currently just a, a touch bigger than Anagamine, who's 11 to four um, for next year's champion, Chase. Um, there are a couple of, of lovely stories on the day as well. Correct Rambler, of course, coming back and doing it again for Lucinda Russell. Um with a, another amazing performance and uh, repeating the trick from last year despite being seven pounds higher. But then, of course, Honeysuckle bowing out, um, re- retaining or regaining her mare's crown uh, for Henry Bromhead and, and Rachel Blackmore in what must have been an incredibly emotional week for, for the trainer. Yeah, because like the the ultimate to me was one of the the most like visually kind of um, impressive races of the festival. Just like the ride that Corey Grandler got, like Derek Fox to go up the inner and you know take all the look that he needed. And I tipped up fast or slow here, uh, Andy Post, and I thought he did everything right in the race. And it was just the one horse you didn't want him chasing now was Corey Grandler. I thought that was an amazing training performance. Constitution Hill then for me was the the best jumps performance I've ever seen. I honestly do mean that um, to to do what he did particularly considering he probably could have won by another half a dozen lengths and then the honeysuckle thing and all this was happening in the space for like an hour and a half the honeysuckle <laughs> performance was like it, it, it did genuinely remind me George of Dawn Run that the mare is beginning to get up and like when she she's done this in the past where she kind of like misses the last and she wasn't great at the last and she love envoy probably went maybe three parts were linked up and you know, I, I honestly think Honeysuckle responded to the crowd when they started to roar her home. And um, it was an amazing, amazing day. That Like that hour and a half, when you consider the performance of Marine National, Barry Collins, first runner in Britain, being a, a winner at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, and then you had like, you nearly forget that the, <laughs> the the amateur race at the end was like a, a pretty crazy race in itself. And I, I was in a, in a, a kind of a, situation where I essentially had uh, John McConnell's horse, Maller Mission. All he had to do was place for me to get over the next line in a in a kind of a competition I was in. And he obviously fell at the second last. And there's a lot of question marks over what would have happened then. But I, I think Cheltenham was summed up that even when I spoke to John McConnell, I was like, what's what are you going to do with um, Maller Mission? He said, I'm, well, I'm going to probably run him in the Irish National or certainly he's entered for it. And I said, 
obviously that would mean more to you than like winning a fairly you know ordinary Cheltenham race in the sense of like it's one of the lesser races of the week the Irish National is in his own county county Mead mm. 500 grand race and he said absolutely I would have loved to. Cheltenham means, means everything to me that would mean more to me than Irish National and he obviously did have his Cheltenham winner then as the week progress absolutely but where do you think we'll see Guy de Menzenil, um now we've seen the last two in this race um go to the Gold Cup in Galvin and Statler and neither perform as to as to how we probably expected them to. Do you think Gaida Mesnel will be will be kind of directed that way next season? Yeah, I think he probably will. He's um he's ten to one for the Irish National, which is interesting because he obviously ran a very good race in it last year and and then forty to one for the um actual the national itself, which I mean with the prize money and offer it's it's gotta be um it's gotta be a major, major um lure for them. But I, I to be honest, I thought on that performance he's gonna He's going to struggle to win the national. He was absolutely off his feet coming to the third and fourth last, and like maybe he would have won, but I think he did have a bit of luck on his side. And for me, the way he travelled in the race, I, I couldn't really have him as a national winner. Uh, On to Wednesday's racing now. Uh, we mentioned how impressive Marie Nacional was, um, but Impera a pass despite a, a kind of bizarre drift in the morning um, and up to post time, um, where uh, I think we saw um, Hermes Allen go off nine to four favourite, yeah, ahead of Impera pass at five to two. But the, there was nothing in the drift. Uh, they didn't know this time. And um, another horse who, you know, where do we anticipate having run over two and a half here? Do you think this is properly going to be a case of let's just swerve wherever Nikki sends Constitution Hill and, and do the opposite? Yeah, probably. And like it, it was actually two. This is a two five race that was two, um, yeah. like it was a genuine test. And um, mm. for me, I, I was thinking after race when Willie obviously had the first three home. And um, so you're thinking, well, OK, if you were if you were that dominant in the Ballymore could Perry pass have won the champion or the supreme and absolutely I think he might have he he obviously went back to the Moscow flyer distance um, at Punchestown and he looked very very good and he's never really come off the bridle like maybe he came off the bridle here but he ended up winning by six and a half lengths and the drift was bizarre I thought it was probably one of the worst bets of the week was um Hermes Allen back to nearly even money in running when I, I was like he's, he's doing everything fine here but all of the yeah. horses in behind were still traveling it was like how could you even how can you back a horse at like 2.2 in running that you, you know nothing about relative to uh, what he's facing here and as much as he was disappointing I thought he shaped quite well but in Perry Pass this is a phenomenal performance really like Gaelic Warrior was so well touted and um he traveled Jumped well straight so, as well yeah jumped straight and like he, he looks like he's kind of developing with experience and for me I'd have no issue going back uh, to um two miles in Perry Pass we've seen we've seen it done before with um really really good champion hurdle winners um the likes of Hardy Uses and like to me this are and this horse has no no issue with pace whatsoever. And I, I, I think, as you say, George, it'll be what Constitution Hill does. And I think a lot of people will be texting Nicky Henderson possibly late at night uh, for his plans. <laughs> uh, the Real Wacker was a good result um, for uh, the Brits, even though it was uh, an Irishman who's moved this side of the, the Irish Sea um, in terms of, of touching off Jerry Colombo. A difficult one for, well, I mean, I, I now having remembered the race, know why you couldn't really say Jerry Colomb was your um, biggest disappointment because it was unbelievably tight at the finish. It wasn't. Like, I, I honestly, if you look after the line, like, I'm not really sure Jerry Colomb is actually getting up. Um, and I think the real record was exceptionally game. Um, yeah. And it, it was, I, I thought this was a great story, to be honest, that you had a trainer who was basically struggling in Ireland and went over to Britain and, um, you know, was quite like, I guess, a, a nod to the past where Irish people went to, Britain to get work and this is exactly what Patrick Devil did and um, I thought this was a real old-fashioned staying jumper performance and um, he just probably jumped a bit better than Jerry Clom and like when I backed Jerry Clom I was looking 
as he's coming to the last, I'm like, okay, I have a chance here. We probably need a real whacker to miss it or half miss it. And he didn't. He was really, really good. And he was very genuine up the hill. And I, I don't know. I think Jerry Glom, he, he was pretty much um, off the bridle from about half a mile out. He was, um, he was really, really put to the pin of his collar. And he did stay on well. But I, I thought there were no real excuses. Like, I thought the, the best horse actually won on the day. And it was a, a great story for Patrick Neville, who obviously came over from Limerick to... The, to um, I guess make a living as opposed to uh, train a Cheltenham winner, which you probably didn't think of. But like you know, this horse will genuinely be a Gold Cup contender next year. Yeah, looks that way. Um, <clears throat> in uh, Langadan, after that disappointing, um, having been so well backed uh, last year in the Martin Pipe, uh, put that right and won the Coral Cup. Just touching off an epic song. Who typical to my week was was my bet in the race. Um, but Enagamine um, did it and did it in some style. I mean, it, I don't know what you felt about this. I in some ways it was one of the most scintillating performances of the week but in others i kind of thought to myself because the horses up against him in terms of episode editor sheet just didn't run to form at all this was as much of a procession as it could really be in terms of the, the quality and, and the standard that the horses in behind ran to so i i, I put up um, blue lore for this race anti-post and i was gutted that he didn't run it i was like this is completely his race he's not a two and a half mile horse at all not to mind mm. a Ryanair horse and if he'd run in this, maybe you'd have gotten some idea of what Anajamin achieved because with Edward Stone running as badly as he did, for me, this was like Captain Guinness. If, if, if Captain Guinness turned up at Nace on a Sunday, it wouldn't get many people uh, to actually go to the meeting. He's a good horse. He's rated 159, but he's not like, it's nothing outstanding. And he finished second, 24 lengths clear third in this race. Um, I, I don't know. Like for me, it was it was a strange one. I, I backed Anajamin on the day because I just thought that if, if the vies were strong for him, I thought he'd be ridden more positively than he was um, in February. And he was good. He jumped well. You could call him the winner a long way out. But for me, like, what did he beat? And, like, mm. obviously, if Shishkin had actually rocked up, rocked up in this race, what price would he have been? I'd say he probably would have been favourite, even though he was dropped back to two miles. And, I don't know, with, with Edward Stone's performance, entered the gate beating 35 lengths. Um, I don't know. I, I'd have provisos over it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Delta Work beat Galvin in the in the um, cross country and Mascada um, was the winner in the Grand Annual. Um, but in the Champion Bumper, <clears throat> you know, what do we make of, of a dream to share here? I mean, I, as you know, you, myself and Andy are on a, a WhatsApp group together and Andy sent over his speed figures for this race. And I did a bit of digging and I there was a horse towards the top end called Leckie Watson. And I went back and watched a couple of Leckies. It's kind of Willie Mullins' ninth string, I think, in the race. You probably couple of afraid, did you? was a maiden yeah i did and so i got the payout but jesus christ go back and watch it because i was and i wasn't quite counting my winnings at 80 to 1 but it was absolutely because basically had raced keen in his in his um last two performances where i was beaten twice uh, and just thought basically with the with the you know the stamina uh the increased test of stamina and you know if he settled he could run a decent um race and it was squeezed out late on and i no, it's not often on this show I, I I'll tip something up, but I think the twenty five to one about him for the Ballymore next year could be quite interesting given that performance. I'd I'd encourage anyone to go back and watch it back. I'm not saying he'd have won, um, but certainly some promise there. But you know, a dream to share. Um, you know, justify some market support and, and beat factor file in a in a decent race. Yeah, I thought I thought this was um, a, a race that was pro- possibly somewhat dictated by the ground, and I was like totally against um, a dream to share on the basis that I didn't think he'd have his ground. He's kind of a flatbread horse, um, and the turn of foot that he showed at Leopardstown was quite something. And 
you mentioned the um, uh, Lecky Watson. So Lecky Watson is owned by the uh, Slaneyville Syndicate, who obviously would have had Total Recall back in the day. And mm. to the best of my knowledge, they like they had in excess. Was a really really promising horse, um, and he suffered a fatal injury, I believe, on on the gallops um, just before Cheltenham. So like they had a really promising horse going to Cheltenham, um, who obviously suffered such a setback. And I think in Lecky Watson, they have a horse that definitely going forward could be very good because he's really only learning to race and you look at his pedigree as well he's um he's a right like um, national hunt pedigree on the damn side and it, as he learns to race and as he as he jumps a hurdle he's going to be very good but for me a dream to share i thought this was a really good performance because i was t- like the ground was was genuinely soft ground um by the the last race of day two and for him to i, I know his rider kind of looked for the best of the ground but for him to like confirm his leopards from beating over fact to file, I think on better ground he would have beaten him more comfortably. And going forward, for me, he's gonna be an absolute out and out supreme novice hurdle horse next season. He, as I mentioned, he's a flat pedigree. I am really excited by him jumping a hurdle because he's so much pace. And John Kiley to have his first Cheltenham winner at the age of 85, this is <laughs> phenomenal stuff. Yeah, absolutely superb. Uh, on to Thursday, this is where the bookies were licking their wounds, and then suddenly it all turned. Um, with uh, I think. Yeah, Mighty Potter being turned over at four to six was the moment I think the festival turned for both bookmakers and punters. Yeah, like, and I guess there's, there's an element of hindsight here, but I, I suppose, the, you know, the, the one, you know, thing that you had to um, allow for Mighty Potter in the sense of if you wanted to back the odds on was the fact that he had disappointed at Cheltenham last year. And I, I, I don't know what happened here for me. Like, if you look at him um, up the hill, George, he drifted so badly, so badly under pressure. And I know, like, if you, if you look back on the week and you, you will say that it wasn't Davy Russell's um, finest Cheltenham and, you know, he was involved in a lot of um, kind of horses that ran well but were beaten. Like, it, this had very little to do with Davy Russell. He basically had his whip in the right hand and the horse veered badly off the track. And I, for me, I actually like the fact that Paul Nichols had a good winner here because I think we we need, jumps racing needs the, the big British uh, trainers to be um, winning good race at Cheltenham. The thought stage star was very, very good. As much as Mighty Potter, like for virtually all the races, like this horse is definitely going to win. He was doing everything right. And even the second last, suddenly something went completely awry. Um, and there's a bit of a proviso over him now going forward because like, well, can you not just travel or is it the fact that you just, you know, you can't take the heat of the battle at Cheltenham. But for me, stage star was, he was very, very good on the day. Yeah, really good. And, and yeah, it was a, a big one for Paul Nichols. Um, you have to feel he's had some difficult times at, at Charlton Festival over the last uh, few years. Um, in the Ryanair, if Shishkin doesn't doesn't blow the uh, was it the second last, do you, do you think he gets up and beats Envoy Allen? Yeah, it was the uh, the third last actually. And again, <clears throat> it, this was a strange race to call it running because I was Shishkin's a strange horse. You're like, well. In one minute you're thinking he's a certain winner here, and next you're like, is he travelling? And I thought it was it was quite compelling what Nico de Bonville said afterwards. He was like, I was never that happy with the horse. And if you marry that to his Cheltenham performance last year, you're like, well, you you turned up at Cheltenham as an odds-on shot last year. You turned up as an even favourite this year, and you were pretty comfortably beaten this year. Flopped last year, so I, I'm finding you a little bit hard to trust nowadays in the sense of like he probably does want to go out and trip and the King George would be, in, be interesting but as much as he made a mistake at the third last like was it enough to beat him? Um, I'm not sure he would have beaten Envoile in. I, I, I think to to um, give Henry de Bromit his dues this is a good training for him. This horse is not straightforward. He'd absolutely bombed the King George. He'd been a bit of a 
a great white hope that had kind of become a bit of a disappointment. And I thought the way he traveled in the race, it was actually a really, really good performance. Mm. Hitman, Hitman, I thought, ran really well. And French Dynamite actually stayed on quite nicely after coming under pressure two outs. And I, I, I thought the form was really, really solid. But Shishin's going to step up and trip. But for me, I mean, he's nine now, going on 10, obviously, when he runs the King George. Um, I couldn't have that much faith in him in the sense of at least backing him at a short price because, um, he, like, if... He, Essentially, he could have almost saying this was not the Shishkin that um, I, I I know well at home, and um, so he didn't perform again at Cheltenham. So um, I think it's it's an interesting quantity for Nicky Henderson, but for me, I thought the moral winner won the race. And in the stayers, um, yeah, thoughts go out to Andy Holding, who was all over sides Burley for the stayers last year, um, and goes in and wins here at thirty three to one in a you know probably one of the biggest upsets in terms of the top two side of Burley thirty three to one Dashel Drasher. Um, 40 to 1 all credit to anyone who landed the forecast in this one yeah and obviously Tiopu then was um, promoted to second afterwards so um, it was yeah. a mad race 11 year old oh, beating yeah. a 10 year old um, sorry to Burley my brother asked me to back him before the race there was obviously somebody who fancied him um, and he never backs horses I didn't see the message until after the race oh no <laughs> yeah so that, that wasn't very nice for him although he deals he deals well with adversity um, but um, I, for, for me the, the performance of the race was home by the lead like Honestly, when that horse made the mistake that he did, and Andy Andy liked him in the race, I really really liked him in the race. He was desperately weak in the market, and the the vibes were not good about him. The mistake that he made was it at the sixth. Like I yeah. honestly thought JJ Slevin was going to pull the horse up, and the way he stayed on up the hill to be beaten, say give or take three lengths, I thought it was a phenomenal performance. As much as he'd be a nine year old next year, I'd be certainly interested in going back for this race. And um, I think at this stage of his life, they're not going to go chase him with them. I honestly thought he was so genuine to keep going the way that he did, and the, the mistake 100% cost him more than he was beaten. And for me, he was the, the horse to take out with the race. Uh, Tiopo, I thought, did, did really, really well. You know, he's only a six-year-old, quite inexperienced, and it'll be interesting to see where they go with him. But uh, essentially, sorry to the Burley ran here because they, they didn't get him into the race that they wanted, and sometimes it works out. It was like a relatively quiet week for Gordon Elliott, but this was a good one for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, whiz through the last um, in, into Friday. We saw Seddon win the the, the plate. Um, you wear it well with a, a you know. I think we'll we'll touch on this now with with Lashier, I guess, because this used to be a race um, where you know favourite backers could just lump on the Willie Mullins good thing at the top of the market and be happy. But it's it's pretty quickly developing into one where where short price favourites are turned over. Um, Lashier being the latest in that, but a, a huge winner for Jamie Jamie Snowden and you wear it well. Yeah, Lucia's um, market's uh, strength was quite surprising for me because, again, it's like, well, how can you really support this horse taking on the Irish novices? But I, I actually think she emerged with a lot of credit. She travelled like a really, really good horse. I wouldn't mind going back on the flat with her. Um, and, you know, my, my girlfriend's called Zoe, so I was telling her to back Princess Zoe. And <laughs> I was thinking, well, obviously Magical Zoe is going to win now. Um, and I thought Princess Zoe actually emerged with great credit. With a lot of Ferrari over the ride, um, I don't, I don't think the owner covered himself in glory at all on no. Twitter in, in recent days. Um, I, I just thought that she looked like she wanted further, to be honest. Um, and uh, I, I think stepping up a trip be interesting for her. But you wear it well. It was, it was a really, really genuine game performance. And as much as I've said several times, George, I'm not massively into these mares races. I thought this was a really compelling renewal of the race. And Lucia going forward is going to be interesting. I'm, is she going to rock up maybe in a champion hurdle next year? I don't think she wants two and a half miles. She's by the Gurkha. Um, and I thought. 
the way she traveled in the race, she's plenty of ability. This was a big, big step up in, in class and competitiveness as to what she'd been doing. And um, if I were Nikki Henderson, I'd be looking to go on the flat with her. But it was a really good renewal of the race. Um, obviously, Henry de Brom had wanted to win it. He, he threw, I think he had five in the race. And Magical Zoe emerged with great credit. But um, really good forms for the winner. Yeah, very good indeed. Uh, Angels Dormant, the winner of the Kim Muir in the final race of the day. Uh, on to Friday now. And um, Lossy Mouth was mightily impressive um given how freely she uh ran in the first in the triumph um and a, a performance you know this is one where the market got it right blood destiny um a huge drifter in the the hour or so before the race and and looking kind of miles off uh, the market rival yeah, like you say, Lossie Melt was keen, and she was, but again, if you have a horse that's keen in the Triumph, you want it to be a national hunt-bred horse, not a flat-bred horse. If it's a flat-bred <laughs> horse that's keen in the Triumph, it's not going to get home, and Lossie Melt, um, like Gallimar, so, uh, is, is essentially a national hunt-bred horse, and I think the Triumph has changed in recent years, where William Mullins didn't necessarily have a great record in it going back. They're now sourcing horses from France that they get who've run France as three-year-olds and are essentially quite developed in terms of national hunt horses. And Lossie Mouth, for me, I, I, I did fancy her in the race and um, for all that I wasn't entirely sure because An- Andy was um, Andy Holding was all over Blood Destiny. I'm not mm. sure what you can put his performance down to. As you mentioned, the market weakness was... It was it was very off-putting before the race, but even so, he ran so so poorly. And um, I think going forward, he'll be fine. But I, I thought it was a very weak performance. And um, but Gallimard, so I spoke to Danny Mullins uh, at the race the other day. He was very taken by her performance as well as much she was put in her place by Lossie Mouth. And it'll be interesting now if Lossie Mouth were to go chase next season, which wouldn't be an issue at all. She'd be a four-year-old. She'd be getting the allowances. She'd be getting the the fillies allowances. And um, again, what is Constitution Hill going to do? Because <laughs> I don't want to rock up the champion hurdle. I've no chance in. Uh, Favois won the county hurdle uh, and then we better talk about the Albert Bartlett quickly because I think we need to talk about where Corbett's Cross will go and, and about the winner Stay Away Faye. Yeah, I, I think Corbett's, I, I don't think Corbett's Cross would have won to be honest. I think Stay Away Faye um, might have possibly outstayed him. I know he was an 18 mm. to 1 shot but like, it, again, this is kind of going back to like the way that Cheltenham was. If you have Stay Away Faye who's a horse by Shantou, nice pedigree who had um, you know, good form going into Cheltenham. Um, if, if this were the old days, I don't think you'd have a Paul Nichols horse as likely races that gone off 18 to 1, but that that's just how it is now. And I, I thought there was no fluke about this. I think Cheltenham probably erred in the sense that you had that gap between um, the rail and the hurdle. Um, as much as Corbett's cross, I'd have no issue with them going forward in terms of his um, resolution and all that. I thought that it just gave him a kind of a, a split decision where sometimes you're, you're in life, you you make a split decision. Um, I'm a cyclist and sometimes you're coming around the bend, you're like, okay, what do I do here? And you just make a call on instinct. And I just think Corbett's cross, he just, for, for whatever reason, he'd come under pressure. Um, and I, I think what was interesting as well was the fact that he was stepping up from two miles um, and he's, he's, the gap between the run at Nace and Shelton was so was so uh, short that it probably didn't actually serve him that well because he was a little bit keen in the race. But going forward, um, Paul Byrne bought him for the National next year. He was obviously uh, sold to uh, J.P. McManus. It'll be interesting to see where they go, but I think they won't drop him back to two miles again. I think they'll they'll train him as a stayer with speed, and I thought he emerged with great credit. But for me, the winner was going to win anyway. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I always think of Cheltenham more than any others, you know, guessing who's going to win up the hills. You know, you, you don't really know. Often jumping the last, the winner, you can't even see them in the picture. So, you know, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. Um, but I'm still going to be licking my wounds until next year. Um, onto the Gold Cup now. And, uh, you know, what Ruby Walsh said, it was the, uh, or was it AP McCoy said, it was the best 
national hunt ride he'd ever seen on Calapan de Champ by Paul Townend. Um, an, uh, an impressive winner and unsurprisingly the um, 11 to 8 favourite for next year's Gold Cup in, in Calapan de Champ. Yeah, like they, they jumped twenty-two fences here. Like that—that's a—that's a—that's an extreme test. And for Paul Townend to ride the horse the way he did, it—it it, it requires luck. I mean, I laid Gallop de Champ the race on the base that I thought he was too short. And if Abdul Card bounced back to form, Abdul Card obviously didn't finish the race. Kind of hard to know what to conclusions to draw from that. And um, Henry de Rom had says he was back. It's hard to know. He seemed to be travelling fine, but I, I don't think he was a short price and he was all but brought down by a high senior. Um, the, the one the one thing that interested me in the race was that how tired Brave Man's game was off the last. Like, he was legless. He was really, really tired. And Andy Holding will tell you what the speed figures were, but he was really, really tired. Conflated and Noble Yates were third and fourth, were essentially staying types, both by Yates, who... Um, I thought ran the races, but were um, no match for Gallop and Deschamps. I thought Paul Townend, he rode the horse like he was the best horse in the race, but he also rode him thinking there's going to be a strong gallop on here. Um, and almost with a slight proviso over his stamina, he rode him for speed, which Willie Mullen said, you're, you're on the fastest horse in the race. He needed a bit of luck, but it, it was a hell of a performance. And come back next year, it is kind of hard to oppose him in the sense that he will need luck in running. But on that performance, it's, it's hard to see what of the novices emerges to be the next year. And I presume Constitution Hill does not go in the Gold Cup next year. <laughs> yeah, uh, for the last three races uh, of the week, we saw a lovely story with Bradley Gibbs um, winning the uh, riding and training the winner in Premier Magic in the um, Fox Hunters and in the Hunter Chase. And then it was all green and gold for the last two races, uh, impervious with a cracking head-to-head with uh, Allegri de Vassi uh, just coming out on top. And then Oroco, um absolutely motoring up the hill late on uh, to land the, the spoils for punters there too. Yeah, and a great win for Aidan Kelly that, and Iroko was kind of like the old-fashioned J.P. McManus gamble. Um, you know, it was mm. a very, very interesting market move. He was really well backed all day. You had to take notice of it. A five-year-old um, who's only had six runs over hurdles. I thought he was really, really good. You imagine what's the ceiling of his ability, given how likely raced he is. Um, and and this race has produced, um, you know, really, really good horses. I think Galloping de Champ won this, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. And you know, he was. Galloping de Champ was coming in as a seven or eight to one shot. It was a hundred to one in his previous race, uh, which is hard to believe. Um, but this was a this is a really good performance. If again, like where are they going to go with this horse? Because um, next season, if you want to go down the champion hurdle route with this horse, it's 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 eminently feasible. But you don't want to take on Constitution Hill, impervious. Andy Holding was all over this. Um, I added somebody to uh, our WhatsApp group before <laughs> Cheltenham. They said you've saved my Cheltenham. I'm like, well, if you're yeah. saved by a fifteen to eight shot in the second last twenty eight <laughs> races, you must have had a pretty good bet here. But her turn of foot was quite Trust staggering. Me, it, it was my it was my first winner since I think the real wacker, and it felt it felt like my my chance didn't take the result. So. Yeah, we'll be back next year. Um, but uh, this was a this is a really good turn of foot because like uh, Allegory Devasi to me looked between the second last to last like she was going to win. This goes exactly back to Dino Blue at Cork, who went I think one to ten in running, and she was totally beaten by Impervious's pace. And I think I was looking at the odds for the race next year. She's not actually a bad price because it's very very hard to see her doing anything. But this, she was bought by J.P. McManus to give him a Cheltenham winner. J.P. McManus buys horses to win at Cheltenham. And we saw that with the likes of Corbett's Cross. He won the last two races on day four. And you can imagine the smile on his face because he wanted Cheltenham winners. And for me, she's she can only go to that race next year. Maybe Willie will come up with something, but for me, she'll beat Allegory Devassi every day of the week in that performance. I, I was I was delighted for Brian Hayes and the turn of foot she showed up the hill was quite staggering. She just loves jumping fences. 
Yeah, it was a, a brilliant performance and, and a great way to end the festival with both of those those winners doing it in, in stunning fashion. Um, there we go. That is our review of the Cheltenham Festival 2023. Thank you very much to Johnny for taking the time to talk us through his thoughts. So we're going to be back looking ahead, uh, I think, next week. Um, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for the Odds Checker betting show. You can find it uh, up on the Odds Checker YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe there and any podcast platform as well. Uh, thank you very much to our sponsors, Unibet. Um, for sponsoring the Odds Checker Betting Show. Uh, and if you go and look down in the description of this video or podcast, you can find the new customer offer. Deposit £10 and get money back up to £40 if, if your first racing bet loses, plus a £10 casino bonus. T's and C's do apply. Cheers, Johnny. Speak soon. Thank you, sir.